Welcome to the weekly message from Encounter, where the past has no future and hope is reborn. Our speaker today is Bishop Michael Rice, lead pastor at Encounter. church. It's good to see you guys today. We missed being here last week. We took some time off. Appreciate those who in our absence took care of things. David last Sunday and Jeff Wednesday night. Can we let them know we appreciate their ministry? Thank you guys. Before we get into the Word, I'm going to share with you that all these years of walking with God, I've learned something, that that God looks at the big picture. He sees all of it from beginning to end. He is the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. But I've also learned that, that we humans have encounters with God that happen in a moment. And we need to seize that moment. Dr. Michael Brown says it this way, that the opportunity of a lifetime must be seized during the lifetime of the opportunity. Blind Bartimaeus was in a tree. He wasn't the only blind guy in town. There were deaf people, there were maimed people, there were broken people, there were quadriplegic and paraplegics, there were lepers, there were... And Jesus was passing by. And he knew he had to get what he got in that moment. Because he didn't know if he'd ever be there again. And so the Bible says he cried out. You know what makes people cry out when they're just sick and tired of being like they are? It's no more complicated than that. If you're comfortable in your mess, you'll probably stay in your mess. If you're enjoying your mess, you'll probably stay in your mess. Blind Bartimaeus was just sick and tired of being blind. So he cried out, and the people told him to keep quiet. You know, you're ruining the parade. Ah, you know what? You just, sometimes you just get so sick and tired of being the way you are. You, you don't care what anybody else thinks. Can I tell you the, that, that through... through more than three decades of ministry, I've seen people who are to the place that they're just so tired of being the way they are and so tired of things being the way they are that they don't care what anybody else thinks. They're going after what God has for them. And so when everybody told him to be quiet, he yelled the louder. And he got healed. Don't let a moment with God pass you by. 
he works best in an environment where we set our clocks to his clock. He is a now God. And the right time with God is when he says it's the right time. So this morning, more than ever before, let me encourage you, if the Spirit of God begins to tug at you, don't tell God later, because unless the Spirit draw a person, how many know you don't get a blessing from God in rebellion? When God says, I'm, I'm gonna, I want to deal with this situation in your life right now, for you to say, God, I'll deal with it later, you're rebelling, and he doesn't bless rebellion. Amen? The next four weeks, we're going to be doing something a little different. I've tagged it Four Sundays with the Father. I believe that the Lord has shared with me a number of things, 12 things that are very, very important for us. And, and I want to share them with you. I'm going to bribe you to come to church. Let's just call it what it is. I'm going to bribe you to come to church. You come faithfully for the next four weeks, barbecue at the Rises house, the barbecue's on us, okay? Doesn't get any better than that. We have a, we'll have a good time. We eat the best barbecue you can find in all of Northeast Ohio. I have that for, by fact. They've been rated number one in Northeast Ohio. We'll have it there. You got to come, all right? And no bones about it. I, I think we ought to come because I think that God will share with us his heart. But the Bible says to compel them to come in. I'm compelling you with barbecue. Are we on the, on the same page here? This morning, with the Lord's help, I'm going to share with you what he has put in my heart. I'm going to try my best to get through this. The Unknown Father. Luke chapter 15. I'm reading this morning out of the New King James Version. The he in verse 11 is Jesus. And he says this. This is a long reading, but it's important. Then he, Jesus said, a certain man had two sons. And the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falls to me. So he divided to them his livelihood, and not many days after, the younger son gathered all together and journeyed to a far country, and there wasted his possessions with prodigal living. But when he had spent all, there arose a severe famine in that land, and he began to be in want. Then he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country, and he sent him into his fields to feed swine. 
and he would gladly have filled his stomach with the pods that the swines ate, and no one gave him anything. But when he came to himself, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have bread enough and to spare, and I perish with hunger? I will arise and go to my father and will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you, and I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. And he arose and he came to his father. But when he was still a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight and am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Bring out the best robe and put it on him, and put a ring on his hand and sandals on his feet, and bring the fatted calf here and kill it, and let us eat and be merry. For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to be merry, now his older son was in the field, and as he came and drew near to the house, he heard music and dancing. So he called one of his servants and asked what these things meant. And he said to him, Your brother has come, and because he has received him safe and sound, your father has killed the fatted calf. But he was angry and would not go in. Therefore his father came out and pleaded with him, so he answered and said to his father, Lo, these many years I have been serving you. I never transgressed your commandment at any time, and yet you never gave me a young goat that I might make merry with my friends. But as soon as this son of yours came, and who has devoured your livelihood with harlots, you killed the fatted calf for him. And he said to him, Son, you are always with me, and all that I have is yours. It was right that we should make merry and be glad, for your brother was dead and is alive again and was lost and is found. Would you be kind enough to stretch your hands this way and pray with me and for me? Father, I, I'm committed to do my, my very best to unburden my heart with what you've burdened it with, but... We both know that we'll fall tragically short. Holy Spirit, I beg of you to do what you do so well. Reach into the heart of every hearer of my word this morning. And bring about the change you desire to bring. I thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. If you've served the Lord any, any amount of time, you, you're familiar with that parable. We call it the parable of the prodigal son. I've learned if you ask the wrong questions, you'll get the wrong answers. Also know that the reverse is true. If you ask the right questions, you get the right answers. What if this parable 
was never meant to be about the sons. What if the parable was always meant to be about the father? And if that belief is true, then there are some truths in this parable that we never saw because we never looked for them. My wife has the ability to walk through grass and see a four-leaf clover. I, too, have seen hundreds of four-leaf clovers. It's always been after she says, oh, look, a four-leaf clover. And she picks it up and shows it to me. Then I see the four-leaf clover. I, I walk through the same grass at the same pace she is, and I see grass. Right now I see grass that's knee-high that needs cut, and I can't cut it. She, leaves a, she, leaves a, she sees a four-leaf clover. I, I think we know the intention of Jesus' heart when he began to share this message because this is how he starts. A certain man had two sons. This parable was always meant to be about a certain man. You ever met one of those people that can communicate and you have no idea what they're talking about? And if you're not careful, you just kind of get a dazed over look. They come to you and what they're saying is important, but you have no idea. How many? Okay, if you're sitting next to somebody like that, don't, don't elbow them. That's not what this is about. Jesus doesn't have that difficulty. He wants you to know up front. Go through, the, go through the Gospels. When he spoke, what he wanted to talk to you about is right up front. And here's what he says. There's a certain man. So for the next four weeks, we're going to turn our attention to that certain man instead of the sons. When you read this parable in that light, a different parable. Certain man. I want you to know something. Both of these sons had a relationship with father. For the longest time, the better part of our ministry, we shared with people. We don't believe in a religion. We believe in a relationship. And it's true. But do you know there's something even more than that? Both of these sons had a relationship with dad. Listen to me for a moment. And neither one of those sons knew their father. I'm, I'm, I'm concerned that that probably describes a lot of believers today. They have a relationship. They don't know him. Back in Numbers, I think it's chapter 12, God is upset with Miriam and Aaron because they've been talking about Moses behind his back. Go and read the story. It's a pretty telling story because the Bible says 
God suddenly showed up and said to Miriam and Aaron and Moses, come to the tent of meeting, you three. They get into the tent of meeting, and God says this. I'm going to paraphrase. He's looking at Aaron and Miriam, and he said, listen, I, when I want to speak to a prophet, I'll speak to him in visions or a dream. I'll, I'll show him something that is unclear and obscure. But that's how I speak to them. Those people that speak for me, that's how I speak to them. In visions and dreams, he said, but with Moses, it's not that way. He said, when I talk to Moses, we are face to face. How dare you talk about my friend that way? what he said. We're not talking about what angered him so much as, do you see the difference? God himself was telling you that the prophets have a relationship with me, but Moses and I, I speak to Moses and he hears me. He speaks to me and I hear him. I look him in the face. And God had departed, and Miriam had leprosy. And Aaron said to Moses, would, listen, could, could, you, could you ask God to heal her? Do you know when you have a, a relationship with God where you know each other? Somebody here a couple years ago said something that really resonated with me. Friends tell friends secrets. Moses goes to God and said, Hey, could you heal her? God said, Listen, if her father had spit in her face, She'd have to be in rejection for a week. That's the best I'm going to do. Let's give it a week. I think there's a place that we can go in God that transcends relationship. Anybody want something more? More than a relationship? Luke 15, verse 13. And not many days after, the younger son gathered all together, journeyed to a far country, and there wasted his possessions with prodigal living. Listen to me for a moment, number one. You've got to get this truth. This is foundational. If we're to relate to God, we relate to God on his terms, not ours. He came to earth 
to take us to his house. At no time throughout this entire parable does God ever refer to this boy as the prodigal son. We tagged him that. God said, the younger son. Truth number one. In the father's eyes, you're not what you do. You got to get that. In the father's eyes, you're not what you do. Humans do that to each other. There are books written on the prodigal son. An amazing number of sermons and series have been preached and taught about the prodigal son. The truth is there's nowhere in all of Scripture a prodigal son. Isn't that an amazing thought? There's a son. The Holy Spirit is speaking to somebody today because you're wearing a tag that your father didn't put on you. You're, 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 you're not a husband and you're not a father. You're a son. You're not a wife. You're not a mother. You're a son, daughter. You're not an alcoholic or a drug addict. You're a son or daughter of God. You're not a mess. You're a son. You're a daughter. You're not broken beyond repair. You're a son. You're a daughter. You got to understand, in the Father's eyes, nowhere ever in this parable does that boy who is wasting his life ever be referred to as anything other than my son. He was my son when he lived in my house. He was my son when he asked for half of all that I own. He was my son when he took it and he wasted and riotous living. He was my son when he was in the pig pen. He was my son when he came home. He was my son when I killed the fatted calf. He was my son when his own brother wouldn't own him. He's my son. And nothing he does ever changes that. And you've got to get that down in your spirit. You are not what you do. You are who God says you are. And here's what he says you are. A son or daughter of the Most High God. Turn to the person next to you and confirm that. <clears throat> Listen to me. 
you're a son or a daughter who struggles because you don't know how good dad is. kid lived in the house with dad and he didn't know how good his dad was and he took half of dad owned and he left because he didn't know how good dad was and he wasted it on partying and he wasted it on women and he wasted it on wasting stuff because he didn't know how good dad was and he attached himself to some guy in a city or a country, and this guy gave him a job. He's an he's a Israel, he's a Jew, and he's feeding pigs. He's out there throwing stuff to the pigs. And all of a sudden, this thought hits him. I got a dad. And I'm his son. And he treats his servants better than I'm living right now. Let me tell you something. Listen to me. You're not struggling against drugs. You're not struggling against alcohol. You're not struggling against eating too much. You're not struggling against depression. You're not struggling with your sexuality. You don't know how good your father is. And you don't know in spite of what everybody else says to you about you, in spite of what you say about yourself in the mirror, on the other side of that mirror, standing on a porch, is a father who calls you son and daughter. Second, Luke 15, verse 15. Then he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country. And the citizen, he sent him into his fields to feed swine, and he would gladly have filled his stomach with the pods that the swine ate, and no one gave him anything. Truth number two. When you join yourself to anything outside of the Father's kingdom, you become a servant to it. When you sell yourself to get something that dad didn't give you, you are doing that. You are selling yourself. Whatever you yield yourself to, 
you become servants of. Jesus tried to get us to understand that. He said, I, I, I want you to be like a little child. I don't want you to get up in the morning and worry about this or that. Your father has, knows what you have need of before you even ask. He said, the, the, the birds, while it's still dark, they get on a branch and start singing. It's still dark, and they're still hungry, but they're singing. Why? Because they know the sun's going to come up, and they're going to find food. He said, not a one of them, not a one of them. We were driving yesterday, and Gilbeth saw a mother duck with some ducklings start to dart across the road. Cars were coming. It appeared that somebody didn't swerve in time. So we circled back. I don't know what we were going to do. If Mama had been killed, there was a bunch of little ducks, like I could catch them. But we circled back. Took a few minutes to find a place to turn over and get back out and, and drove back, and there was nothing. She obviously made it across the road. Not a one, not a bird, not a bird falls to the ground without your father knowing it. How much more valuable to him are you? You and I were not called to be servants to anything. It's tragic when a ruler serves. You were called to reign with Christ. You were not called to be conquered. You were called to conquer. You were not called to be ruled. You were called to rule. You were not called to be overcome. You're called to be an overcomer. Anything you attach yourself to outside of the kingdom of the Father, you become a servant of. Listen to me for a moment. Why, why didn't I get that promotion, you say? Maybe the Father knew you'd become servant to it. Why does it feel like I always drive a junk vehicle? Because the Father knows if you get a good vehicle, you'll take all the overtime they throw at you so you can make the payments, and pretty soon you don't have time for family or prayer or church. Now, if you let him give you one, that's a different ballgame. You can be like the Rices. You can buy a car and drive it for a year and sell it for more. 
take that money and buy a car and drive it for two years and sell it for more than you bought it for. It ends up costing you nothing to drive a vehicle around. And you can drive, buy another vehicle and you drive it for 10 years. Your wife rides in it with you hoping it'll break down. I mean, because it flaps, it hangs down. It probably weighs 300 pounds less between the rust and the parts that fell off. But you know what? If you're driving and a part falls off and it keeps driving, what do you do? You just keep driving. How many know what I'm talking about? Listen, if you drive them long enough, they get prettier. On the inside, all these pretty lights show up on the dashboard. Oh, cool. I've never seen that one before. And you just keep driving. And finally, after 10 or 11 years, you say, I've got to give this thing away because I'm never going to get anything better if I don't just give this thing away. <coughs> Seek first the kingdom of God then all these other things he'll add to you. The deal will just fall in your lap. It'll just, it'll just fall in your lap. It'll just, let me know what I'm talking about. But how did I find myself here at this moment? My wife and I had taken a week away a number of years ago. It's time to return home. It was in our heart to be able to take Josiah away for a vacation, but we really didn't have the money for that. So we're at the airport, and you know sometimes they have issues with the number of seats that have been sold, and there's too many, and they got to. I mean, I'm talking about they got a bump people or they first ask for volunteers and usually it's on a first come first serve basis and we're standing in line to get our boarding pass and there's the counter and here's us and there's one person and that person steps away and as we step forward they announce they need some volunteers to stay back two hours for the next flight, they'll give you 800 bucks a piece to stay back. Guess who's standing in line at that very moment? As she makes the announcement over our head, this is on the first come, first serve basis, and we're like, excuse me, two hours, 1,600 bucks? Yeah, why not? Why not? Bless you. The Father has the ability to get stuff to you if you'll let him do that. He'll bring it to you when he knows you're not going to serve it. It's going to serve you. Luke 15, 29. 
So he answered and said to his father, Lo, these many years I have been serving you. I never transgressed your commandment at any time, and yet you never gave me a young goat that I might make merry for my friends. Merry with my friends. When, 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 when I, I read that afresh here just a few weeks ago as God was putting this into my heart, I, I, I felt a touch. I felt a touch of what the Father feels. And I cried. At the audacity for Father to look into the eyes of his son and and in that moment realized that my son doesn't even know me. And how the father feels that from his kids today. He said, not, 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 not give you the fatted calf. So everything I have is yours. How, how could you not know that? Everything I have is yours. But the father, through Jesus, put it in the parable, why the son didn't know that. Because the son was too busy being a servant instead of being a son. I have served you and kept your commandments. And the dad said, son, you're never going to get all my stuff because of how good you are. You'll get all of my stuff when you know how good I am. And there are people here today, well-meaning. But in your mind, I prayed today, I paid my tithes, I, I held my tongue, I didn't do this and I didn't do that, and I should have more. And this morning, by the Spirit of God, I break that religion off of you. You're enslaved to it. You don't have a father, you have a God that could be carved out of stone. That spirit began to get on Jesus when Jesus was 12 years old and he said to his mom and dad, don't you know I got to be about my father's business? And in heaven the father says, I, I can't do nothing with that. No, 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 no. I don't need an employee. I need a son. And we don't hear from Jesus for 18 years. Not a healing, not a deliverance, not a message, not a preaching, not a teaching. We don't hear from Jesus for 18 years. Until he walks over the crest of a hill. And John the Baptist is in the water and he comes up out of the water and the Spirit of God descends upon him like a dove and the voice from heaven said, This is my beloved Son. In whom I am well pleased. 
What? Well-pleased. Beloved son. Well-pleased. What did he do this year? He's my beloved son. Well-pleased. I can't think of anything he's done in the last decade. He's my beloved son in whom I'm well-pleased. Come to think of it, he hasn't even preached for 18 years. It's my beloved. Are you getting this? You go in that. When you get that, you're ready to take on the devil in the wilderness. When you know that it's not about how good you are. You see, some of you, the enemy has tripped you up one time and he's tied your shoelaces together and you get up and keep tripping over the same stupid thing again and again. How many know what I'm talking about? And you think you'll never get anywhere with God and you think you'll never get anything from God because you keep falling over the same thing because you think you've got to earn this. You don't get the Father's stuff because you're good. You get the Father's stuff because he's good. And you walk in that. And this, this son, the dad is like, son, what? everything I got yours. You're with me. It's, how could you say that? How could, you don't even know me. And there are people here this morning. You're sitting here now and you're saying, boy, that, that sounds so good. I just... I wish that be, to be true, and I want to tell you it can be your truth. God will tell you the truth. The devil will tell you a lie, but you decide, and I decide, what is my truth. Luke 15, 17. But when he came to himself, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have bread enough and to spare, and I perish with hunger? I will arise and go to my father and will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. Truth number three. To repent is to arise. We gotta we gotta come to God's understanding of repentance. I, I was raised as a Catholic. I got twelve years of Catholic schooling. I know Catholicism. Catholicism on Saturdays, you had confession. You would, you would go into a booth and you would kneel down and the priest would be sitting in the booth and you'd be looking through a screen at the side of his face and you would, you would say to the priest, Bless me, Father, for I have sinned. It's been X number of weeks since my last confession. You didn't want that to be a big number. You don't want to say it's been 11 years since my last confession. And then you tell him what you did wrong. 
as a kid, we took that serious. Because when you were talking to him, you were talking to God. But us rice boys, we were different. And as we grew up, we, it, that, that, that whole thing took on a different meaning to us. Because what the priest would do is he would hear your confession about what all you did. And then based on the gravity of the sins that you have shared with him, he would then offer you penance. He would say, I absolve you of all your sin, yada, 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 yada. And he, he, he's been endued with the power to take it all away. But then there was penance. And for your peasant, penance, say... X number of our fathers and X number of Hail Marys. So he absolved you in their theology. He absolved you of your sins, but you still had to pay for it. And do, there was a direct connection between the gravity of what you did and how many our fathers and Hail Marys you got. So my brothers and I started to keep score. We would go to confession. We'd see who could get the most Our Fathers and the most Hail Marys. It was like a game of football. As soon as we were done, we'd, we'd meet outside the church. How many did you get? I got five Our Fathers and five Hail Marys. Man, he only gave me four. What you, would you tell him you did? Because, you know, if it worked for Greg, it'll probably work for me. One day they all knew I had scored the trifecta. I let it all out. Most of it was made up. I mean, at 12, how bad can you be? I made it all up. But I knew, and they knew, I had scored big. When I left my little booth, the priest's door opens up a little bit to see who I was. True story. <laughs> and as I'm walking to the pews and everybody else saw that, you know, they're all looking at him. I'm like, yeah, got him. That dude won't be able to sleep tonight to think I'm in his congregation. <laughs> yeah, he had to see who I was. It's penance. And you had to sit down and say, You're our fathers and your Hail Marys. That's not repentance, though. Repentance. Re means again. You repeat, you rewire, you redo. It means again. Pent, penthouse means top. To repent is to put yourself on top. To start over. You do know that's how it is with God. You don't go to an altar and repent and get up and, 
and leave half a Christian now. At no time during the process were you ever anything more than a son and daughter of God. And you were never anything less. But instead of that thing being on you, you're now on that thing. Instead of it being in control, you're in control. There is no temptation that's ever come to a human being that God has not made a way of escape. They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength, that shall mount up with wings as eagles. One of the ways you can tell a bird a far way off, is that an eagle? Watch and see how very little it flaps its wings. They are masters at seeing current and just riding on that. They can fly for the longest time without ever moving their wings. They're just riding the currents that are always there even though we don't see them. That's how God intends you and I to be. I have a joke that I play on waiters or waitresses sometimes, especially if I see they have a unique name. I'll comment on it. I said, that, that's a beautiful name. I said, do you know what it means? You know, that's Rishonda or something, and, and Liquita. I said, do you know what it means? And they go, no, I've always felt like it meant something, but I, I don't know what it means. I said, oh, my gosh, it's beautiful. I said, it means one who runs with eagles. And they usually go, oh, that. And then, boom, it's time for the kill. I said, no, 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 that's stupid. Runs with eagles. Eagles don't run anywhere. That's just dumb. I said, oh, yeah, you're right. That, that, that is. I said, no, no, but nobody runs with eagles. Come on. I have no idea what your name means, you know. It's a good icebreaker, I, but I got no idea. I got no idea what, what, what your name means. And, 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 and unfortunately, there's too many Christians who run with eagles. Yeah. You ever seen an eagle walk? Seriously. It is. We got chickens. These things were never made to run. You ever seen a chicken run? Oh, my gosh. This is controlled falling. I mean, those tiny little legs and that great big body, and they run. It looks like any second now they're going to fall over and take a nosedive into the ground but they just keep running and they got this look on their face like a fat guy running downhill. You know, this is not going to end well. And their little feet, and you ever seen a, an eagle walk around? It's like, what am I doing down here? How many know what I'm talking about? It's like, um, um, you know what an eagle does when it finds prey? It goes down to the ground and grabs its prey and takes it up. Because it can beat the prey in the air. It can't beat the prey in the ground. And the reason guy, why God gave us the gift of repentance is because we're eagles. And we can beat our enemy up here. 
when we know we're a son or daughter of God, not because of how good we are, but because of how good he is. Let's look at that verse again. I've, to repent is to arise. But when he came to himself, he said, I will arise and go to my father. Can I tell you, you'll never find yourself outside of the father. You will never find yourself outside of the father. You'll find something, somebody. You'll never find yourself outside of the father. But when you realize who you really are, you'll go to him. When you're sick and tired like Bar Bartimaeus this morning, you're sick and tired of being blind, so I'm going to the Father. I'm, I'm going to rise and go to the Father. I'm going to get up and go to the Father. I'm going to get up out of this mess. I'm going to go to the Father. Listen, there's people in this room this morning. You've got to start telling yourself, this is not who I am. The enemy has you convinced this is who you are. This is not who I am. My father is good. And my father made me. And this isn't good. This is not who I am. I got to go back to dad and have him tell me afresh and again who I am. Because I believed what they said about me. Or I believed what I'm doing. I, I took on ownership of somebody who I'm not. So he arose and he went to his father. Somebody in this room needs to find who you are and head to the father. Because that stuff you're caught up in is not you. I've told people, homosexuality is a, a perversion. It's a sign of brokenness. But at the same time, the church quit, has to quit throwing stones. Just because they're broken in a way that's different than your brokenness, come on. Of course it's sin. Of course it's broken. You that are without sin, cast your stones. But listen to me for a moment. It's a brokenness that's healed with truth. We used to pastor just on the outside of Columbus. Columbus is called the, 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 the San Francisco of the Midwest. Every year they'd have a gay pride, gay pride parade and 10, 15, 20,000 people are involved. Numerous occasions they showed up at church. Now I can tell you right now, truth is always stronger than deception. Light always overcomes darkness. That's an absolute. And so you engage people in homosexuality like you engage somebody who's in alcoholism, like you engage somebody who's bound to drugs, like you engage somebody who's in depression. You just tell them that's not who you are. Come on, church. Before they were formed in their mother's womb, the father knew them. That's not who they are. 
And I've seen that, that the demonic spirit that puts people in bondage to homosexuality just wither away at truth. No, Pastor, you don't understand. I'm a homosexual. No, you're not. You've never been a homosexual. Yes, I have been. Ever since I was 12, I did no, you're not, you're not a homosexual. How can you say that? Well, I can say that because it's truth. No, and already they're, they're defiant. You can see this thing starting to back up. You know what? When demonic spirits, when, when they see light, they, they're like cockroaches. Come on. Somebody give me this. Turn on a light and they run and hide. So no, you've never been a homosexual. And the truth of the matter is, you know that. No. I almost feel sorry for the person because the hand is slipping out of the puppet. The puppet don't know what to say. God made you. You're fearfully and wonderfully made. And you're not a homosexual. And the reality is, in your heart of hearts, you know that. At that moment, I'm tempted to say, if you're selling, I ain't buying because you're not even sure anymore. We've only been talking for two minutes. I said, the truth of the matter is, there's a God in heaven who loves you passionately. And you know, like I know, that this is a bondage. But that ain't who you are. And in your heart of hearts, you know that's not who you are. And in your heart of hearts, you want free from this. And then the conversation usually goes, but I've, I've believed that for a long time. I believe, I agree with you. You have. Now you need to change your belief. It's just a lie that you've been convinced about yourself that isn't true. And can I tell you that every bondage we live in, it's, it's, it's maybe deeper than that, but it's no more complex than that. Repent. Get back on top. That ain't who you are. Would you stand to your feet? Iris, follow along with me. Truth number one. In the Father's eyes, you are not what you do. Repeat after me. In my Father's eyes, I am not what I do. Truth number two, when I join myself to anything outside the Father's kingdom, I become a servant to it. Truth number three, to repent is to arise. That's Bishop Michael Rice, lead pastor of Encounter. More messages from Pastor Rice are available at our website, godenc.com. You can subscribe to our regular podcast through our website or on iTunes. Find us on Facebook under Encounter.